Nyata, hello. It's Alison here and I'm the pastor at Sanctuary. And we're based on Peak Warren Country in Warrnambool. And today I'm thinking about how the Beatitudes in Matthew may be thought of as movement through a school of discipleship. You'll find the text in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. At last, the summer holidays are drawing to an end. And some of us are heading back to school and others to university. Some of us are setting goals for reading the Bible, and some are planning their professional development, and many of us are thinking about what we'll be teaching others this year. And so, one way or another, almost all of us are preparing ourselves for another year of learning and growth. I was thinking about this as I reflected on the Beatitudes this week. They're near the beginning of Matthew, and in Matthew's story, they're the first recorded teaching which Jesus offers to his disciples. And what does he say? Blessed are a bunch of people the world has contempt for, the poor in spirit, the humble, the merciful, and so on. Rejoice and be glad, he tells them. Your reward is great in heaven. In the churches, these sayings are interpreted in all sorts of different ways. For example, as a list of the different types of people who were blessed, or as a shaming of those with wealth and privilege, or as hashtag blessed platitudes, or even as some of us have heard it, as a command to be grateful for the terrible things that have happened to us. That's a revolting way to read them. But what if there's something else? What if they're describing progression? through a school of discipleship? And what if Jesus is setting out the steps towards fullness of life in the joyful kingdom? I suggest this with an important qualification. Many churches effectively teach that we earn God's love and grace through repentance, through right beliefs, and or through right behaviour. This is not what I'm saying here. God's love and grace are free gifts and there is nothing we can do to earn them or to change the way God lavishes them on us. There's nothing to strive for with love and grace. God loves us as we are. God showers us with abundant grace. These are non-negotiable realities. But there is something else. As disciples of Jesus, We are invited to respond to God's gifts of love and grace by entering into the joy of God's kingdom here and now. But for this, we might need to do some work. We don't strive for God's love. But in Matthew chapter 6, we are told to strive for God's kingdom and for God's justice. And Jesus promises that when we choose this orientation and do this work, we will receive everything else that we need, which sounds pretty good to me. So what I'm suggesting is that the Beatitudes can be read as a step-by-step guide into the fullness of kingdom life. They're like a school of discipleship. So in this season of thinking about learning and education, let's explore what this could mean. Blessed are the poor in spirit, says Jesus, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. Here, Jesus is saying that the blessed life is not experienced by the proud who think they've got all the answers, nor by those who rely on their own strength and think they've got it made. Perhaps you remember the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. One seeks nothing 
and he gets nothing. And the other seeks mercy from God and receives it in abundance. All of God's gifts are freely available, but you have to receive them. And for this, you have to acknowledge your need. In the context of discipleship, we might say, blessed are those who admit they are ignorant, for the school of discipleship is for them. What's next? Blessed are those who grieve, says Jesus, for they shall be encouraged. Again, there are lots of ways to read this. But what strikes me today is that love and lament are inextricably entangled. People and planet are wounded. Some shy away from the pain and turn their attention to other things. Others care enough to be moved by the world's suffering and they long to do something about it. We might say, blessed are those who are deeply concerned, for they will be encouraged and taught. In other words, those who acknowledge their need and face up to the pain of the world now enter the school of discipleship and they find themselves in a place of encouragement and learning. What they hear next is this. Blessed are the humble, says Jesus, for they will inherit the earth. Now, there are different ways to be at school. You can turn up thinking you've got all the answers and disrupt the class and sneer at the teacher and tease those who like to learn. You can coast through picking up just enough to pass and getting out as quickly as possible. Or you can be humble. You can admit that there's always more to learn. And so you pay attention to your teacher and your classmates and the world around you and how you are in this environment. And you soak up everything that is good. And what with all that wisdom and learning, the world indeed opens up to you. We might say blessed are those who submit to their teacher, for the world is their oyster. And our teacher is, of course, Jesus, who goes on to name a fourth step for those who are receptive to further learning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be filled Now we begin our education in discipleship by admitting a need that can only be satisfied by God. But our education is for something. We don't admit our need of God and learn about kingdom life so that we can look good or make money or get in with the right crowd. That's what an exclusive private school is for. Yet these things do not ultimately satisfy. And that's why our education is different. Our education is a process of formation. It teaches us to see the world through Jesus' eyes and it fills us with God's desire for love and for justice. We become more deeply dissatisfied with the way things are and the powers that be. We want justice. We want kindness. We want a grounded humility in our leaders and ourselves. But here lies a paradox. It's as we hunger and thirst for these things that we ourselves are filled. Our very longing for justice shows that the word is now dwelling in us and animating our lives. It's our hunger which shows we are being filled. So blessed are those who hunger for justice, for they are filled by the spirit of their teacher. And this brings me to the next step. Blessed are the merciful, says Jesus, 
for they will receive mercy. By now we know what happens when we hoard good things. Manna rots. Possessions rust and become riddled with moths. Water stagnates. And we know what happens when we withhold forgiveness. We ourselves become bitter. And we know what happens when we hide the gospel away. Our own faith loses its vitality. But our education draws from a well that never runs out. As long as we let it flow, there's enough sweet water for everyone. Indeed, the more we are filled by the word and conformed to Christ, the more we will give our lives away. Everything becomes gift, ready to be shared. Love, money, mercy and the gospel, lavished on friend and enemy alike. Gradually we discover that the more we give, the more we have to share. In the school of discipleship, we might say, blessed are those who share what they learn, intellectually, materially, emotionally and spiritually, for they will keep growing in wisdom. What then is the next phase of kingdom life? Blessed are the pure in heart, says Jesus, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The school of discipleship is no place for divided loyalties. As Jesus says later in his sermon, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money, because they make competing demands on you. You need to choose. And if you choose Christ and keep turning your focus back to him, your vision will become clear and your heart pure. You will see the God you have been seeking all along. More in being conformed to Christ's image, you yourself shall become like him, the Prince of Peace, the one who breathes out only shalom. Like him, you'll become a conduit of peacemaking and justice-seeking and healing in this world, and you will show yourself to be a citizen of the Kingdom of Heaven. We might say, blessed are those who stay focused on the teacher, for they will experience revelation. And blessed are those who conform to their teacher, for they will be called honoured alumni of the school. Finally, says Jesus, blessed are those who are persecuted for their pursuit of justice, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you, and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's true. The kingdom of heaven is not always a comfortable place. You cannot serve two masters. And so graduates of the school of discipleship will often find themselves at odds with the people around them, just like Jesus. Indeed, this is what it means to graduate into full citizenship of God's kingdom. It's to live so passionately, so generously, so urgently and so lovingly, so at one with Christ, that the shadow of the cross lies across our lives. It's not that Jesus wants us to suffer. For these very teachings are bracketed by stories of him alleviating suffering and healing people. 
It's just that graduates of the School of Discipleship are pretty hard to ignore. They've been so transformed from the inside out, they've become a blessing themselves. And so they get involved in the suffering of the world. They ask difficult questions and they embody surprising new answers. They have strange loyalties, difficult priorities. They unite with other graduates to bring about healing and transformation. And in all their loving and healing and justice work and peacemaking and storytelling and seed sowing, they captivate some and they enrage others. And so persecution is often the consequence. But when it comes, by that time graduates are so like their teacher that they're willing to give not just the scraps but their whole lives for the kingdom. And to do so will be nothing but joy because they know what lies on the other side of the cross, a garden, new life and communion. So when your light is so bright that people notice and persecution comes your way, rejoice and be glad indeed. Like most people, I'm not really there yet, and I won't fully graduate until I die. But I'm committed to my continuing education, and so I'm sticking with the School of Discipleship. I'll keep reading the Beatitudes. I'll keep confessing my needs. I'll keep showing up for scripture and prayer and worship and communion. And I'll keep trying to love enemy and friend. I'll keep turning my eyes back to Jesus. I'll keep reaching for forgiveness. I'll keep seeking justice and peace. And I'll keep trying to scatter gospel seeds with a generous and open hand. For blessed are those who share what they learn. And who knows what soil is receptive. This January, as you too prepare for another year of learning, will you join me in the School of Discipleship? Will you too open yourself to further transformation and seek love and healing and justice in all things? Will you too allow your life to become an ever greater blessing? Blessed are you. And in the words of our communion prayer, let us receive what we are and let us become what we receive, the body of Christ given for the life of the world. Amen. There's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. And this week you'll find a reflection on Genesis 14 and how Abram's vow to Yahweh and El Elyon point to a decolonizing way of being in this land. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. And if you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal. And you'll find the details for this on the website. And to those who do support us financially, thank you so much. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequoring people of the Eastern Ma Nation. It's a land which was taken by force and has never been ceded. After December's rain, the sandy soil is now drying out and the garden is a travesty. Meanwhile, in the hall, pigeons have moved into the roof and fledged their young, sending debris through the ceiling roses. Their flights through the roof cavity are very distracting, as is their incessant cooing. And I wonder about Psalm 84. Anyway, I pay my respects to elders past and present. 
the peace of the land, earth, sea, sky, and even birds be with us all. Amen.